Father, I pray that you will help me to present the sermon so that the people will understand what I understand, what you told me, and that the words will make sense to them as it did for me, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so to give you a bit of background, you know that I'm sometimes a bit of a softy, so um, I cry easily. I cry in any movie. I cry if it's a, wait, not a violent, I'm not, if it's a Skopskitenslan movie, whether it's an animation, if it's something that um, hits the string of my heart, then I cry. So a couple of, I like watching what they call the golden buzzer on, on um, America's Got Talent. So I go on YouTube and I YouTube golden buzzer moments and that's what I watch. And a few, few weeks ago, I can't remember, it was in the term, I got home, I had quite an emotional day, as we sometimes do. And I go and sit down, Olivia's mostly making supper, and I go and sit down and I just take my phone and I start watching these golden buzzers and I start crying. I, I did eat supper, but yo, it was hectic. Yeah, I started crying so much. And it's just so amazing what, what amazes me with that is you get these guys with America's Got Talent, you've got these four judges sitting, looking at this person. And each one of them has got a red button. So what happens, if they don't like you, they just push that red button and you're out, you know? But there's a golden button. And if they push that golden button, you skip everything and go straight to the final. And what I like is to see the people's faces, and I really love how they get a second chance. These people get a second chance at whatever. They were trying everything up until that point. And there's this guy called Simon Cowell. He just spots something and he says, golden buzzer. And it is incredible to see the faces of the people and just to be, I don't know, I'm, I'm emotionally attached to them at that point because I so want that for everybody. I want everybody to have that second chance, that golden buzzer moment. So... I felt tonight, before I carry on, that I want to share that with you, if that's okay. So Olivia sent me a link the other day, and I want to share this golden buzzer moment with you from this family. And after the, bear with us, it's about six minutes, but it's worth it. Okay. About this family that, that the father starts singing. I don't want to give it away. But, and I can't sing like he does. Trust me. But the father starts singing, and what happens next is incredible. So Hannes, you can go for it. I'm originally from East Tennessee, but right now I live in Orange County. And tell me a bit about you. What do you do for a living? I'm a pediatric mental health nurse. Okay. And what are you going to be doing for us? Are you a singer? Yes, sir. So this is kind of a different direction you come in on the show like this, Mike. So tell me what the thought process was. What's, what's the ambition, the dream here? Well, um, my family's my reason why I'm here. My wife and my six children. <laughs> you know, uh, one of the things that happens, especially because my children came out of foster care, when you're surviving, you can't dream. And that has been one of the most rewarding things, is providing them with a home and a safe environment where they're free to dream. And so I'm here because I want to show them that if their dad can live out his dreams, then nothing's impossible.
thanks, Hannes. <clears throat> I let you in a bit of my world. <laughs> if I'm going to start crying, please forgive me. But you know what? Yes, what happens is it's so amazing. Every time I watch these things, I think, I so want to sing like that. Or I just want to sing opera or do something that's supernatural. And I realize that I might not be able to sing like that. But I can be someone to eat the golden buzzer for someone else. And that is something everyone can do. And that's where my message is heading tonight. Because this guy, Michael Ketterer, he's a Christian. One of those kids is his own. The others were adopted from foster care. And if you go and listen to a bit more of the videos afterwards and where he was um, speaking on news and things like that, um, he says, none of these kids or very few of them know there's a father or knows the father's love. And me taking them into my house shows them the father's love. And he hits a golden buzzer for each and every child, every time he takes them in. And tonight's sermon, for my title tonight, will be, Be the Buzzer. We can be the golden buzzer for people around us. I'm going to try and get my emotions together. It is so amazing to see how Simon sometimes, I remember in the previous one as well, it was this girl that walked on the stage and he looked at her. And I, I'm, man, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to elevate him tonight. I'm just saying he's got a talent for spotting talent. And I recognize that in people. So he saw this girl come on the stage. She's only 16 and he says, what's your name? And he carries on talking. And she starts singing and he goes, wow. And he also hits the golden buzzer. And he says, when I saw you walking on the stage, I recognized something special in you. And... Um, Everybody needs a second chance in life. And we can help. We can be the second chance for the person in front of us. I haven't started preaching yet. Please bear with me. This guy had a rough childhood, but he learned never, ever to quit. Last week, Mike shared with us, he shared that we are the saints, the heroes, the body of heroes, that we are the saints, the heroes we should be. Right? I remember. Okay. We should be the heroes for the people around us. And tonight I thought, yeah, let's be the buzzer. I've always wondered where I'm going to... I read all these books and I read the guys, they tell stories in their books. And I think, when am I going to have a story to tell in my sermon just to bring it in? But this is it. I've been listening to so many of these golden buzzer moments. Tonight's it. I'm going to tell you how you become a golden buzzer for someone else. And I want to start by saying the following... The person, I've been reading the book of Mark of late, I've just finished it, studied a bit of it. The person that I find that's the best at discovering talent in other people is Jesus. When I see through Mark how he spent time with people, how he chose the disciples. So tonight I'm going to go, but not through all the disciples. Because how many of you know they always preach and say, these guys weren't the guys you would choose to as 12 to save the world. But Jesus saw something inside of them that the other people didn't. Tonight, as I'm speaking, God sees something in you, skills that He's placed in you, talents He's placed in you for His kingdom that's already there. He wants to tap in it. He wants to come tonight and say, Zzz. 
I want to make something alive in you tonight. So Jesus, spotting the 12 disciples, going to them, just saying, follow me. A lot of you know the background. He walked around, started looking for disciples, getting the disciples, telling them to follow him. They leave everything. They start following him. And I want to, one, two, three, five disciples that I want to talk about tonight. First one is Matthew. Let's start at the first book, right? New Testament, not Malachi. Matthew. Okay, not Moses. Matthew. Moses is not a book in the Bible, if you didn't catch that joke. Okay, so we're starting at Matthew. In the book of Matthew, or not in the book of Matthew, but Jesus goes and he calls Matthew. He says, come follow me. What was Matthew? Who knows? Yaku? Thank you, Jonathan. Tax collector, right? Matthew was a tax collector for the Romans. Guess what? The Jews didn't like this. His own religious leaders didn't like this because he was a tax collector. They weren't yeah, the tax collectors weren't seen in the same light as your normal people. They, they would have be, you would think they're a bit corrupt or things like that, you know. And um, I'm not going to go into detail with that um, into today's time and age. So let's leave it at that. So he was a tax collector, okay? Something interesting. Jesus saw him and said, follow me. Later on, he was used to document and he wrote the book of Matthew. He wrote the book of Matthew. If you go and read up about the Gospels and all those things, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, different Gospels were written for different people. And Matthews were written specifically to show the Jews the genealogy of Jesus. Isn't that incredible? The very thing that they didn't like, God used that skill later on and he wrote the book in the Bible. Jesus saw it. Then we go to Mark. I don't know how many of you know Mark, Mark, guy Mark and Matthew, Mark. So the second book in the New Testament, Mark. Something I, we, we have to do this preaching thing at church now where we have to sharpen our skills in preaching and we had to choose someone um, who we're going to preach on for 10 minutes. And I chose Mark and I thought, wow. So I won't share the whole 10, 10 minute sermon with you tonight, although I think it will fit well, but I'm not going to do that to you. Mark is known as the disciple with a second chance. And tonight we're talking about second chances. Do you want to know why? Thank you. <laughs> Mark went with Paul on his first mission trip and there was a clash. Mark came back, didn't sit well with Paul and there was an argument and he wasn't allowed to go on any more mission trips with Paul. But Barnabas, he went with Mark. He took him under his wing and he mentored him. He gave him a second chance. He became his second chance. And what is so nice is that we read later on that Mark actually, through that, was later, Paul said, no, it's okay, you can come with me on mission trips. Paul said that. He was part of the council in Jerusalem, part of the high-up guys. He became a leader amongst the leaders, Mark, just because someone else thought, I'm going to be the person to help you get that second chance. And it's interesting, although he wrote the book of Mark, um, as we studied up, he was actually, it was Peter narrating it, and Mark was writing it. So it was Peter, so if, if you now think of Peter, and you think of the book of Mark, can you see the similarities? Immediately. Then suddenly, all of a the sudden they got up. He was healed immediately. Okay, anyway, I'm giving you some inside info of what we study. Third disciple was Luke. Dr. Luke, I wish Luke was here tonight. <laughs> Luke from the band. 
It's also Luke, so I would have said Dr. Luke. We get Luke in the Bible, who was a doctor. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes we find people that's in very high professions, and they feel there's a call on their life from God, and they leave everything, and they go and follow God. They become either a missionary, which is not bad at all. It's amazing. Or they just go and volunteer somewhere. Um, you might be a high-earning lawyer, and you decide, I'm going to serve God. I need to take some time off, and I need to go and volunteer. You know, give my time there. Luke was this guy. When Jesus said, follow me, he left it, and he followed Jesus. And if you put two and two together, what happened later? Luke was with Paul on most of his mission trips. When Paul was stoned, Luke was probably there. Am I right? And if he was there, he could have looked after Paul's wounds. So you never know what you do now and what you give up now for the Lord, how God's going to use it in a similar way later in your life. Because you don't do nothing for nothing. God's got a plan. Even if, give you an idea or just an example, um, we, I used to be in financial planning. I told you guys this before. And after about nine, ten years, I went out of the industry and I always said to the Lord, but why? Why all these years wasted? I waited almost 17 years before I started preaching from studying theology. I waited 17 years before I preached here. And the Lord said to me the one day, it's not for nothing. Everything you've done up until this point was preparation. I didn't know that when I was presenting to companies in front of them about their provident funds, that one day that will help me with my preaching. I didn't know when I see someone one-on-one -on -one counseling him about his finance, that one day that will help me in my counsel when I see people. When I see someone one-on-one, -on -one, you have to bring all the focus to that person. You don't have a choice. So when you do that as a profession, now I'm a Christian. Now when I see someone, I bring all my focus to that person. And I say, Lord, where in this person's life can I be the golden buzzer for them right now? Then the other, the other disciple is John. So John, his Christian life was a walk in process because John, he said he's the disciple whom Jesus loved. So he professed it himself. He, he proclaimed it. He said it. But... When I read up about him, John was selfish, hot-tempered, and ambitious. What happened? Jesus happened. Jesus found this guy, and he said, follow me. Come follow me. Uh, buzzer. I want your life to change. The cross happened. Jesus happened in his life. And because what I've read here is your ability to love others is directly related to your understanding of the Father's love for you. Can I say that again? Your ability to love others is directly related to your understanding of how much the Father loves you. We sang that a lot tonight. Father loves you. God loves you so much. Like I said earlier, I don't want to double myself tonight. But he's placed everything inside of you for you to be the buzzer for someone in front of you. But also, he's just poured out everything for you through Jesus Christ on the cross and with Jesus resurrected and standing up on the third day he brought everything to life everything that you need to live your purpose your calling to come boldly into the throne room with God happened at the resurrection and then Paul Paul was a murderer he was religious and then again Christ happened on the way to Damascus
You see, the resurrection, it wasn't just that that happened for these guys. They lived with Jesus. They saw what Jesus did. Then Jesus died on the cross and he rose on the third day. And these guys knew how he lived. And they went and lived that for other people. I'm thinking of the story of, is it, is it Peter and John that walked past the guy? Peter said, money I don't have, this I don't have, but what I do have, get up in Jesus' name and walk. Because they saw Jesus do that. So I'm quickly going through a story in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 8, for those with their devices or hard copies, you're welcome. If you want to um, read with me, it's in the easy-to-read version in the Bible. I want to tell you a story or read a story to you, one of what happened with Jesus, just to show you again. The reason why I show you these stories with Jesus and why I say he's the master of spotting talent in people and he's the master of being the golden buzzer, the second chance for someone, is because when I say I follow Jesus, then I would want to do what Jesus do, right? Right. So now I read this story and I realize, man, Jesus, he always thought of the person in front of him. He always had time in his busy day. When he walks past someone, what about this person? He never let that appointment stop this appointment right now. So let's read together from verse 40. It says, now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him. They were, um, they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, one of the, one of the um, leaders, came and fell at Jesus' feet pleading with him to come to his house because he only had his only daughter, a girl about 12, was dying. So they don't say that she was sick. They say she's busy dying. So when someone's sick, it's different to when someone's dying. When someone's dying, they're on the edge of not being with us anymore. Okay, so as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. So there was a lot of people around him. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Immediately her bleeding stopped. Two things that came to mind while I was reading this. So the years where I always try and get my words or my thoughts in the right words so that you understand. So if you didn't understand what I'm going to tell you now, please raise your hand and explain it again. Good, here we go. So this lady was pressing through the crowd because she knew if I can just touch his cloak. How many of us are so desperate for Jesus that we'll push through whatever is holding us back to get to him and know that if we can just hold on to him, we will make this. How many of us have been in that place? How many of us are in that place right now where you have to keep on pushing through? What I learned from this story is that if I keep on pushing through, I will get my, my buzzer. I will get my healing. I must just keep pushing through. On the flip side of it, what I also thought of is how many things... Look, when I prepare my sermons, it's, I prepare it for my heart. <laughs> and I go through things in my heart. And when I share it with you, it's, I don't project things to you. But in this time, I realized how many things am I allowing around me to clutter my life? that I need to push aside to get to Jesus. Things that I allow to come between me and him so that I have to actually push in. I have to actually push 
things out the way to make time for him because I allowed certain things to come and clutter my life. Just a thought. Anyway, so listen to this. This is incredible. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people, um, oh, sorry, yeah, so, so the woman touched him. So um, Jesus said, who touched me? And when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Isn't that incredible? He's on his way to someone's house whose other daughter is busy dying. And yet he stops for this one woman who touched him, who believed. Listen to this. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. So here's a scenario. No, wait, first read this. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. So here's the scenario. Lady touches Jesus' cloak, Let's put Jairus over there. He's standing there. He sees how this woman gives her testimony. She just said, you know, I knew that if I touch you, I will be healed. And Jesus says, yes, your faith has healed you. Go, be healed. And he sees this miracle happen here. He sees this lady just touching Jesus' cloak, and she's healed. Now, someone comes to him while this has just happened and says, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter is dead. And Jesus heard that from me there and come back and he says, listen, buddy, just believe. When I was reading this, I thought, wow, if this miracle had not happened, would he have taken Jesus just by his word? If Jesus had said, just believe. But if he just witnessed this amazing miracle that happened here, just from a lady touching his cloak. And Jesus said, just believe, I'm on my way to your house. How much more will I believe when I see that and know that the King of Kings, the only one who can do this, is walking with me to my house to bring healing to my daughter. And then Jesus did walk with him. And this is what happened. When he arrived at the house, Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother, Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. You see, they did not witness the miracle that just happened. Okay? They did not witness that, but the father did. And then he says to them, he says, They laughed at him, knowing that, he, that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. You know what's interesting for me when I read this? Because I always think of things a bit further. Something I would love if I could. I wish there was YouTube in those days, man. Or, or some internet or something that documented it that would have lasted. I always wonder what the lives looked like of those people, the father and mother, 
when Jesus left the rest of their lives. I don't think you can have a normal life from there. Jesus did something in your life. It's like when someone gets born again, when you give your life to Jesus. That's an experience no one can take away. Your life is never, ever the same when you meet Jesus. And then what happens is, I would like to know what their testimony was after this. Because they will forever tell people what Jesus has done for them. And they will become in that the golden buzzer for the people around them. In this story, Jesus stopped at that woman, gave her a second chance. He went to the father's house. He gave them a second chance with their daughter. He was the buzzer. For the daughter, he brought her to life. He was her buzzer. You see where I'm going with this? Jesus is the buzzer, the second chance for everybody. And through us, he can work through us. He's given you everything, all the skill, everything he needs to advance his kingdom. He's placed in you for a specific call and a specific purpose. Now, here's the thing. When I'm standing in front of Werner, my thought should be, okay, you should listen to what the guy says in front of you. Okay, so don't, don't just go drifting off. But my thought should be, how can I be Werner's golden buzzer right now today? When I see someone and I'm like that in front of them and I'm so intentionally focused on being that for them, all of a sudden it takes all my focus off my problems. And you just want to help. And that's why you get people that they might be in the suckiest situations in their lives. And yet they still give everything to help other people. Because they love the people in front of them. In saying that, I've been reading a book called Primal. I posted it on Facebook the other day. I'm sorry, I need to say. Um, I did thought that it was Mark Batterson's latest book. And I realized it was his first book. <laughs> Um, after you know, I got an email from someone saying it's his first book. I'm not going to say who. So anyway, so now, now I'm reading his first book, which is amazing. And it was so nice because it comes together with this. When, when I read on Instagram what the book is about, it says the book is about the great command. So here's my thinking. You know, we've been brainwashed a bit, and it's good. We're, we're on a mission, you know, God's kingdom, hearts, homes, and beyond. We're a discipling church, all these things. So I'm thinking the great command, discipleship. I need to read this book. So I got it on my Kindle, and I, I actually got a Kindle, but it's on my phone, so it feels nice. I, yeah, but anyway, let's leave that at that. I love reading. So I get it on my Kindle. I start reading. And the great command that he's speaking of here is to love the Lord with your whole heart, your whole mind, all your understanding, and all your strength. That's where we should start. And from there, it flows into the great command of loving your neighbor as yourself. Because if you get that first part right, then automatically I'll do the other one. I heard a saying the other day, you can love people and not love God, but you cannot love God and not love people. And that thing stuck with me. I'm not always the guy with the biggest punchlines, but I thought that's a good one. It stuck with me. So in reading that, I'm going to close with Galatians 6, from verse 6, it says the following, and then I'll close the evening. It says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. It doesn't say you must go and use a shambok and you know, beat the sin out of them. 
It says you must restore them gently. But watch. <laughs> Can I? No, I'm not going to tell that joke. Sorry. That's very funny. I, yeah, okay. Next. But watch. <laughs> okay. Olivia also said no. Um, mm. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Beautiful. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with the instructor. I hear all good things. I hear gently. All these things coming from here. Listen to this, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. Let us not become weary in doing good. Be the... For the person in front of you. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Like that dad, he didn't give up. He never gave up and he wanted to teach his kids not to give up. I don't know what you're going through tonight, what situation you find yourself in. Don't give up. Just keep on going. I actually felt to say this when I was preparing the sermon. I really, and I'm very honest when I say this, when I see those people get a second chance like that with a golden buzzer, I cry because I'm so happy for those people. But I must say it, sometimes I say, God, where's my buzzer? I really need a golden buzzer right now. And you know, sometimes we ask God for miracles or buzzers in this situation, but you need to be in a situation that requires a miracle for a miracle to happen. Sometimes we just say we need miracles, but you actually have got so much to be thankful for. But your buzzer will come in due time. You just need to keep on trying. Keep standing up. I don't know what's happening in your life. We've been through tough times as well. There's a saying a friend of mine we studied together used to say, I might be down, but I'm not beaten. And that is so true. You might be down. You can be down and still pray. You can be lying on the ground and still pray. You're closer to your knees on the ground than what you are standing up. Sorry. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, he says, especially those who belong to the family of believers. And I want to end with that tonight. Saying, tonight, two parts of the sermon. Be the buzzer. There's two sides to it. Know that Jesus is the buzzer in your life. He's given you everything, all the talent, all the skills, everything to fulfill your purpose in life that he has placed before you. The question to that is, are you willing to go with him? Because you see, we cannot say, here I am and you know, I'm just going to come out tonight and sing and get the golden buzzer. You have to work to get there. That guy was so nervous he could barely stand. He was shaking. Sometimes we need to show up for the battle. But God always wins the battle on our behalf. 
but I still need to show up. There's a road I need to walk. If I want to grow stronger, I'm not going to get stronger by looking at videos of people exercising. I actually have to exercise. Okay, sorry, my wife, she, when it comes to exercise, we, yeah. So that's the one side of it. Jesus is your second chance. And the flip side of it, I want to say tonight that for some people, your buzzer is coming. I want to encourage you to stay close to the Lord. Stay close to Jesus. Because he is the only one that can give you that second chance. And I know my sermon isn't really, it's not that deep and that theological. But I must say that sometimes the simplest things we do in life is the things that have the most effect. If I can get it right to love the Lord with everything, my whole heart, mind, soul, and all my strength, and then start to love my neighbor as myself, Jesus said all the laws fulfilled in this. And it sounds so simple, but once you start doing it, it becomes very hard. And that's where you hold on to Jesus for dear life because you're going to have to forgive people for things they do to you that you don't want to forgive them. It will be better to stab them maybe or something like that. But make them go to heaven quickly. Make sure they go to heaven. Can I be honest with you guys? I've never shared this in a crowd before, only one-on-one. And um, yeah, Last story. Because we all go through rough times. And we need to sometimes realize the things we go through isn't just for nothing, but also we need to realize that we need to forgive and let go. I used to work for a company, and um, I had to go. We lost everything, so I had to go from the company. And um, the guy that let me go, we, who signed the documents and everything, I sat in the meeting with him, and ugh, there's nothing. He's just following orders, and I'm just sitting you know, and going along with everything. And then what happened was about a year and a half ago, okay, so I thought, good Christian guy, I've dealt with everything, I've forgiven them. I go to Menlin to, man, Blackberries gave me so much hassle at that stage, so I needed to do something with my SIM. And um, so I go to Menlin and I sit down and um, I've, got, I've always got my knife in my pocket, so I'm busy taking the SIM card out, and as I look up, this guy stands right next to me. I'm not going <laughs> to, wait, wait. So I'm doing this with my sim, okay? So I'm scraping and I'm like looking at him. And he says, hey, how are you? I'm well and you. <laughs> and I greet him, okay? So now I'm still fine up until that point, okay? I'm still fine. And he's like, how's things going now? And I'm thinking, when you signed that form that I am not working for you anymore, 10 months after that, I still didn't have a job or an income. How does that sound? But I didn't say this. I thought of it in a split second. So with that question he asked, I'm like, no, I'm okay. How are you? But then my mind started racing. So I'm being very honest tonight. Hey? I'm allowed to. So he sits right there in front of me on the other side of the table. So I'm busy with this, and I'm taking the sim out, and I look at my knife, and I think, before he can move, I can stab him three times. <laughs> I literally took my knife, I put it in my pocket, and I walked away from that table without letting them fix my phone. I just walked. 
I got to my office, the boss I had at that stage, it was a couple of months after the 10 months, the boss I had at that stage, I went and I shared the story with him and he says, buddy, this shows you what you went through in that time for you to get a thought like that. But it also showed me that I still had a lot of unforgiveness in my heart. And even driving past that company and seeing them, because they're all over South Africa, but every time I see them, there is a sting. But now I know that I have forgiven them. I've dealt with it properly, and I can actually move on. Because if I have unforgiveness behind me, I shared this with the Forge guys, if I have bitterness and unforgiveness inside of me, it actually is like something holding me back to be able to go 100% in my full potential with my purpose and calling for what God has got for me. Because I clutter myself with all these unforgiveness. So now I can drive past and I can actually see the people and talk to them in a normal language without my knife in my hand. So that's the other side of things. Being the buzzer for someone in front of you isn't always easy. But if Jesus could do that, all the way to the cross, all the way to death, he'll help us through it. Amen. I'm going to close there tonight. And I'm going to leave the challenge with you. I would love to hear stories, not from you, but the people you have given a second chance by buzzing that golden buzzer for them. Father, thank you that as we sit here tonight, and as your word comes alive in our hearts, Lord Jesus, I really pray that tonight, as we worshiped and as, as we heard your word, that we will go out of here. Lord, help us to live, Lord Jesus, like you lived. God, I so wish that we could actually see how the disciples lived among you and with you and walked with you. Got such a desire, Lord, to know exactly what you did and how you did it. Let your word become alive in us, Lord. Give us a desire to study your word, to know you more, Jesus. And in this week to come, Holy Spirit, will you fill us? Will you bring people across our path whom we can be the golden buzzer for, as Jesus was the golden buzzer for so many people up until this point and to be for so many people to come? Thank you, Lord, that we can work with you in your kingdom to give people a second chance, a boost into their calling and into their purpose. I pray that you'll keep everybody safe in this week to come, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can go in peace. <laughs>